How to stop a woman from cheating on you. Well, step one, delete your possession of such insecurity. For only someone so insecure would surely push another to seeking someone more secure than you. Your insecurity only secures your pathway to perdition. A lifetime of eternal punishment. Step two, set her free. Set a woman free and only then would you understand her true character and her true nature. Only by allowing her to be free, to realize the fullest capacity of human expression, would you understand the synchronicity and alignment of your journeys in life in terms of who you are, in terms of whether you could build and grow something together or not. Relinquish your false ideas of control, your illusions of control. Come to see the person in front of you as they are now. Set her free. Step three, know yourself. When did your fear of abandonment, your fear of betrayal, your fear of disrespect come into play to the point of which that you now live in an egoic shell, a false idea of reiterated patterns, likely from your childhood where you were once hurt, where you were once disconnected from your true core. And so now you live in defense, you live in protection mode, seeking only to manipulate and corrupt your relationships so as to live in a false idea of security. Really, securing, as I said before, a lifetime of eternal punishment. Come to know yourself. Now, I can hear those of you saying, but Adam, what if she's just malevolent? What if she's just immature? What if she just delights in causing pain? Well, that's likely just a story that you're telling yourself in order to justify your insecurity and breathe life into it. Because for the most part, cheating exists as an avoidance pattern. For someone to avoid addressing a burning bridge within their relationship, whether there's a lack of either physical, mental, sexual energy, a misbalance of masculine to feminine dynamic within your relationship, something is not being serviced so that they must outsource that to another human being rather than, of course, in the most upstanding and characterful way to directly address that with you, which is what, of course, I would encourage and recommend. And not for a second would I say that the misbalance of such masculine to feminine dynamic within your relationship was solely because of you as a man if a woman cheated upon you. No, she could be dealing with demons within herself, absolutely. But let's make no mistake here. I have had many girlfriends that have confided within me about partners that they have cheated on. I know a girl right now, actually, which we'll probably talk more about later in this podcast, who's currently cheating on her partner. Something is not being serviced likely to do with emotional care. They don't receive the emotional care from their current partner. And I'm here to break it to you, my friends. And this is going to be a very stern conversation between you and I. So that was a goddamn huge intro. <laughs> so that was a massive intro. Welcome to today's podcast. Yes, I want to talk about the building of trust, the understanding of trust when it comes to cheating, when it comes to trusting yourself, knowing yourself, reconnecting back to yourself so that you would not fear cheating, so that you would not be someone that would actually present such an easy target for cheating upon. This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. Really what today is about is fortifying yourself into a position in which that you are so centered, so grounded, you have reconnected, or you at least begun the pathway back up the mountain to reconnect to yourself, to understanding what it means to be a being of supreme excellence that is no, no concern, no concern for being cheated on. Why? 
Because you know that all human beings are liable. We are all liable to our imperfect condition. We are all liable to make mistakes. You will never find a moment or a person in this time that would not make a mistake, such as yourself. So compassion must be necessary. And now I would like to begin today's podcast with a quote by the Dalai Lama. On compassion itself. The seed of compassion will grow if you plant it in fertile soil, a consciousness moistened with love. When you have watered your mind with love, you can begin to meditate upon compassion. Compassion here is simply the wish that all sentient beings be free of suffering. Page 115 from An Open Heart by the Dalai Lama. To cultivate your compassion in a soil of heart, watering it with love. Such you will find your being of supreme excellence. So beginning the main context of today's session, I've got two stories to kick off. Number one, a client in the US. Number two, a supporter of the channel who's actually just been cheated on and the client who was dealing with intense insecurity around cheating. So he was in his late 20s, somewhere in the US, refer to him as X as always to keep things anonymous. X had come to me because he was deathly afraid of his girlfriend not only breaking up with him as a result of his insecurities, he was quite aware that he is very insecure around cheating, but also how to reframe the dynamics of the relationship to set really an idea of what is cheating or what is considered being trustworthy and being faithful. To paint out the picture here, he was so concerned to the point in which that he had to know her exact location, whereabouts of time, who she was with, if she was ever out with girlfriends, and there happened to be other guys joining the situation, basically that was a red flag. Basically that was a meltdown in his mind and that he couldn't even really come to grips with this being an idea. And so I first began asking him, what are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? When it comes to cheating, this is a tremendous question to ask those of you who are very insecure. What is it that you're so afraid of? In the worst case scenario that she did cheat upon you, where would that leave you? Well, it leave you feeling hurt? Why hurt? Leaving you feel betrayed, why betrayed? Disrespected, why disrespected? Abandoned, why abandoned? At what point did you forsake your own internal power? At what point did you disconnect from your true essence, your true core, the center of who you are, so as to become so fragile and so weak that your biological survival patterns of, likely that's where most of the feelings of jealousy, feelings of cheating arose, where at some point in our time, I do acknowledge as human beings, from an evolutionary perspective, it served us to be jealous it served us to uh, live to the extremes of our emotional reactions to prevent unlikely outcomes that would not allow us to survive out in the wild. But we have largely transcended the need for such extreme emotional reactions, dependence, attachment. Attachment, of course, served us tremendously throughout our lives. If we weren't attached to our offspring, if we weren't attached to significant relationships and meaningful people in our lives, then surely we would not have survived. Surely you would not have made it throughout a day out there where you had to hunt an animal, forage berry, and seek shelter out in the extremes of nature. But we have transcended the need for that. We have evolved ourselves to the point now, to the point in which we can see a pathway towards enlightenment. Where we could cease such destructive patterns as human beings. So what are you so afraid of? Go back in your timeline. Go back through the timeline of where you notice these patterns starting to arise, where these fears start to arise, and maybe you would find clues, and maybe you would find light shining upon that which you need to understand about yourself so that you could find a pathway back to yourself. He was very afraid of his girlfriend breaking up with him. He was willing to do anything and everything 
to reestablish the relationship. So we worked in our session together to architect and engineer a conversation that would allow for the dialogue to happen between the two of them for this to maybe be birthed. And I say maybe because quite frankly, and I did say this to him specifically in my email summary to him after our session, was that she's given you more than enough chances here. You've been so oppressive, so controlling to the point in which that if I was her, I wouldn't want to be with you. It's a very hard pill for males to accept, which is that in your attempt to stop a woman from cheating on you, you're actually pushing her closer towards it. I would like to draw you to the analogy of water, right? Hold your hand out, hold your palm out, empty palm. Have an open palm, pour water into it. Right? Not so much to the point where you overfill your palm, but just drop a, I don't know, 50 cent piece, a coin's worth of water and hold it in your open palm. What do you notice about the water? It'll sit. It'll stay. With an open palm, it stays. Now, death grip that water. Closing your fist, closing your palm, crush and control the life out of it. What happens to the water? It leaves you. The more you attempt to control things, the more they leave you. The more you fight things, the more you resist things, such you will find itself in a mirror. If you wish to enjoy trust, to enjoy faith, to enjoy confidence in someone honoring the T's and C's of your relationship, You must show them ease. You must show them a detachment from even needing such control. This is not to say that you don't have boundaries in relationships and that you don't have already set up a good foundation upon which our entire relationship will revolve around, whether that's monogamous, whether that's a polyamorous-style relationship or polygamous. But if you're going to walk throughout the relationship attempting to clip each wing direct each flight then the bird will never return back to you the bird will only seek to be free as we all do as human beings right those who are oppressed will rebel it is our nature to seek light so that was the client story i wanted to pose off to the second we might come back to it but now i want to contrast it with i want to contrast it with a story from a supporter who is a very very long story it's like an essay essentially about a girl like this i think they're in their early 20s he is likely of Arab descent. I don't think he lives in that part of the world anymore. I think he lives in the US, most likely. Uh, however, she's got family over in the UAE, and I think she is likely based on her name, which I will not say in today's session. She is based on a uh, likely a Muslim descent or Arabic descent of some kind. That gives you a little bit of a picture on who they are, but they're young, they're in uni, and uh, they've been studying. And you know, they're in a relationship, and... Like I said, it's a very long story, but to kind of summarize it, she was feeling that he wasn't taking care of her, that he wasn't seeing her any more than but an object or, and was just in her words, throwing money at her and that he wasn't showing her the emotional care that she was seeking. We found out later on that she was cheating on him the entire time. We're going to, that's going to be a nice segue into a girl that I know right now who's cheating on her partner. However, at the end of his email summary, he sent, he sent a massive letter to her as well. She actually broke up with him, interestingly. And he sent me a massive letter, the letter that he sent her, and also a massive write-up of his own thoughts around it, experiencing a lot of emotional turmoil, a lot of hatred towards her, a lot of mixed hatred, I would say, not pure hatred. He did mention the word hatred a couple of times, but he's trying to let go, I guess we should say. So anyways, he, I'm just going to read the end of his email, which has a bit of questions around it. So he said to me, Adam, 
I'm okay with having to separate from her. My life is better off. I had a rebound girl, which I quickly ended. And now I'm rekindling an old flame, but I'm being direct, congruent and authentic with her with regards to me processing things and taking my time. And she is surprisingly okay with that. And she's really been there for me and been understanding. Like I say, separating isn't the issue. It's the fact that number one, I don't know why she broke up with me or why she's been like this. Number two, she basically gaslit me into believing that I was a shitty person and boyfriend. I didn't dismiss what she said, as I see a genuine plan of working on myself in that regard. Step three is the pettiness afterwards. I can understand if she lost feelings or felt like we weren't compatible. Cheating is a different story, but I don't know. We do now know this was written before this, before he found out that she was being cheated on. And I refuse to reach out because I feel like nothing will change between us and I will just end up saying hurtful things to her and be more irritated at what a horrible person I think she is. I feel like I won't get me anymore. Sorry. I feel like it won't get me anymore and it just makes me feel so angry, you know. In that sense, I need your advice in regards onto how I can process this properly and get through and become better at dealing with my emotions as a guy because I'm really in a bit of a spiral now and I'm allowing myself to process but I do not know what to do with the situation. The reminiscing doesn't help, you know. If you've made it this far, I do appreciate your time taking out your busy day to read this. Peace and love, signed his name. So I'm omitting a tremendous amount of details from like 98% of that story. It's just too long. It's just too long. Like I said, the summary is that he's put through an emotional roller coaster in which that he was going through an exam period and that likely he was actually neglecting his girlfriend and her emotional needs and that she was also going through a lot of problems in her life. She had many burning bridges in her life to do with family, to do with her own situation emotionally. They're young as well. And it was just a bit of a shit show both ways. And he's finding it hard. We found out that she was cheating on him the whole time. Now, I can't speak to the legitimacy of whether she was cheating or not. I'm not in their lives. And I can't speak to who was doing who more worse off. But what I can say for sure is that they were both disservicing each other. That in a situation like this one, it's quite perfect when we're discussing this idea of cheating in which that I don't think I've ever seen a situation in which that it was solely one person that was off and that's what caused the other person to go and cheat. Yeah? Even in the situation that I'm about to talk about with a girl that I know and I maybe, have, maybe I opened up in the podcast in the intro about it, I'm not sure at this point because we're so deep in the podcast now, but of even the girl that I know right now who's cheating on her partner, she, it's not just because her partner's just a piece of shit. She's also engaging in piece of shitness. She's also engaging dark patterns. So there's always a two-way story to go uh, here. And addressing now, bringing it back here, so get back on this main story. Addressing the supporter, I'll just refer to him as X as well. I would begin with the processing of his emotions by understanding, number one, we must have compassion, not only for our imperfect condition of ourselves, but for her as well. Number two, that if I'm not able to forgive, I am unable to let go. If you can't forgive this girl, even for the cheating, I don't know, it's probably one of the hard, well, it's definitely not the hardest thing. It's very up there with the hardest things, though. I would consider murder, rape to be much harder than dealing with cheating. But even so, cheating is definitely up there. It's definitely a betrayal of a, a sanctity of communication you had foundation set between you two between the two of you so i understand i mean personally i have not been through a relationship in which that i've been cheated on or which i cheated on someone although i did get very close one time which i've discussed another podcast to do with sexual desires which maybe we'll talk a little bit later on this podcast about but i've never actually fully gone through of it myself or have it done fully on me 
but I certainly dealt with a lot of clients that have been through the cheating process and I said girlfriends that have if not been cheated on have been in the party of cheating whether it's that they're cheating on their partners or they are the ones who are being used to cheat on if you know what I'm saying so a male came to them to cheat on their partner with my friend a little bit wordy but I think you know what I'm saying there they're third party they're not first or second but they're third party and so as we move through this right here forgiveness forgiveness first that's where we're coming back to this forgiveness first to understand that likely you made mistakes that would have pushed her closer towards it likely that she made mistakes that drew her closer towards it and that's a very good way of summing it up part three moving on in the processing of your emotions which is i would take a full circumvention as a male of not what it is that she could have done differently but what i could have done differently and once you recognize your compassion as a human Forgiveness for the mistakes made? Well, how would I get better? How would I improve? How would I reconnect to the place within myself? If you have isolated that someone cheated upon you because of your insecurity, or in this particular example, most likely because of a lack of emotional care. I've read through his entire story while I haven't read it for you guys here. It seemed like he was not delivering her the necessary levels of emotional care. Not that she made it particularly easy, but so like I'm saying, that goes both ways, but definitely that was the major mistake I could see him making. And if you are so consumed by your work or by your uni and that you are neglecting the uh, emotional lifeline of your relationship, it's really a no-brainer as to why someone would be seeking that, as I said before, an avoidance pattern. You know, it's, it's uh, dis- disappointing. It's a disgrace and it's disappointing that she wouldn't feel that she could directly come towards you. The only time I would say that that is that you could give someone a pass on that is if there's a fear of real physical violence. If you've got someone or if you've got a woman who's in a relationship that has already got a track record of domestic violence and that if she, it's just literally her self-existence, the perpetuation of her existence to be able to go and find an emotional love in something else, someone or something else, but there's no way that she could go and tell the partner that she's currently with because she'd likely get a smack to the head. Okay. If that's the situation, that doesn't sound like the situation that we're dealing with here. So if I was X here, I'd be looking at my own 50, right? All the things that I can control within a human interaction. You know, you got to feel your 50%. She's got her 50%. I'd be isolating my 50% and saying, what is it that I'll do better next time? What lessons would I take away from this? And also most likely what led to me behaving this way? Why did I sacrifice, forsake the emotional care within the relationship with her? What led to that? Why did I prioritize my uni or X, Y, and Z work, other friends, physical pursuits, uh, social pursuits above the girl that I was supposed to be in a relationship with? I'd be asking all these why foundational questions. I'll be trying to dig to the core. And likely a lot of it is going to reiterate, like I said, in patterns, masked shells that you feel that you are making new mistakes or you're making new mistakes in the present. But really, for most of us, we are just reiterating mistakes of the past living in chains of the past. You have to see your downfalls, your shortcomings as chains. It is a folly to believe that a mistake you make today is an isolated link. Even the definition of that word infers that there was something else attached to it, that there was a history to this, that there was a past to this. Particularly once you get past the age of 18. If you're a five-year-old listening to this, disregard what I just said. But if you're an 18-year-old listening to this, you're scared of being abandoned, scared of being disrespected or betrayed. 
Look back. Look back. If you find yourself in a history of neglect, that you tend to neglect others when you get into close spaces, when was it that you were neglected? Hmm? You forget about the projectional nature of human beings, about the way in which you see yourself is projected out onto the canvases in this world. And such is the beauty of living as a human being to realize the nature of another, to realize the mirror of another. You know, for this young, I think he's in his early 20s, this is one of the best things that could happen to you. Not only that if you find out in the post that the girl cheated on you and she was seeing someone else during that time, yeah, I'm sure it hurts. I understand why it hurts though. I understand why it hurts and how deeply attached it is to your sense of ego, to your egoic concept. And then to divert in this fork of a road to divert from and away from the pathway that would demonize all feminine energy, that would form a shell, a more a harder shell, likely you already had some form of a shell, but a harder shell towards the idea of feminine energy. Don't allow this experience to go, because listen, if you don't take active control, this will fester, this will rot and infect itself into a mindset in which that you would become one of those, into someone similar of the community of misogyny, of red pill nature. And I don't mean that in terms of the matrix. I'm talking about that in terms of the dating romantic space of red pill, in which there's very much a disdain towards feminine energy. You know, you can become that way and you will become that way as a result of a woman cheating on you. If you, number one, delegate all responsibility. If you don't take responsibility for what it is that would have pushed her towards that cheating, it's very, very clear in this situation in particular that there were mistakes made on his end that pushed her closer towards that. Now, it's not all of the story, but it's certainly enough of the story to which that you would have to be outrageously immature, outrageously blind, disillusioned as to why she cheated upon you if you didn't take acknowledgement of the things that you did that would have opened a pathway towards that. For my client, right, the pathway, if that girl, not that I believe that girl did cheat upon him, we might find out later, maybe she did, but at least at the stage that I was working with him, at that stage, she hadn't cheated on him, to the best of our awareness. But if she had, you would totally understand why. Because of his incessant need to control her every little movement, every single person that she engaged with, because of his desire to make sure that she didn't cheat on him, you could understand that if she did cheat on him, that would be exactly why. That would be why they push it towards it. Okay? Now I want to segue into, I know we're getting a few little tangents here. This is good. We're free-flowing. Keep the juices warm. This girlfriend, this girlfriend that I have, and actually several girlfriends that I know. Let's 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 go for a couple stories here. One girlfriend that, and actually this is more than just one particular story. This seems to be just a pattern. Girls that play third party. Have you ever played third party? Girls that play third party. What that is to say is that I, as a guy, say that I find myself in a monogamous relationship with a female, and I'm finding that there's a lack of and most importantly, a corruption between the dynamic of our masculine and feminine energy. But there's a lack, particularly in the sexual space, if I'm just going to nail this down to a specific idea. It doesn't have to be that. That's just one very common one. Sexual needs not being met, and there's overall just a corruption between our energy balance, energetic balance. So I then go reach out to one of my other girlfriends, girl slash friends, if you will, or go find it, or just go out, you might find it in a one-night stand, or you might go find it in your social group, or a girl you met at the gym, or whatever it may be. Someone that you know that's interested and then you go and cheat with her. So third party is what I'm saying. I have girlfriends that, if not have played third party, currently playing third party, in which that they've been approached by a guy who's saying, hey, I would like to you know, 
get juicy with you because I'm not getting it from the girl that I'm actually with. What's amazing is how upfront guys will be about this. It's the portrayal of cheaters and being labeled a cheater that they are the scum of the earth, very deceitful. That they would never, you know, when especially that phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater. But really what that infers or that label infers is that this person has no moral fiber, they have no character, they have no integrity. And while there may be elements of that that may be true, it's a very it's a very caricature because I know people that on both sides of this equation that have found themselves in a position of cheating that aren't such beings of darkness to the point where you would say that they're corrupted of all moral fiber and all character. There are many situations that you would find as you're starting to find out in this podcast in which someone would come close to cheating, not because they're trying to act upon malevolence, but because they are rather avoiding such destruction. Of course, not never to excuse it. I don't want, I never want to give you guys the idea here that I'm excusing such behavior. We're just trying to understand. We're trying to excavate this cavern of ideas. So, so girls that play third party, it's quite interesting speaking to girls that play third party about what the mindset is, the guy that came to him with. Yeah, you know, I said before, you think it's because they're just, that's, I don't know, that's why I said it before, the sexual, the sexual needs not being fulfilled and you think that that's all that they came for. That's just that they're not having good sex at home and that's where you start to dive into this idea, hey, which is that what is good sex? Hmm? Yeah. What is good sex? Is good sex just the RPM? Is good sex just the PPM, the pumps per minute? Or is good sex the emotional entanglement? The entanglement, I should say. Is good sex just the emotional entanglement between you and that being? To which that you could set each other free into a ecstasy, a volcanic eruption of spirituality. And it just so happened that the door you accessed that eruption was through the physical, through the body. But it never stopped there. It may have began there, but it certainly didn't stop there. If you have not found yourself in a place of life where you have experienced sexuality to such a level in which that you have orgasmed within your spirit, then you have many ways to go. And I wish you the best on that path. I have much, much content on this. Just the last like 10 podcasts, I think we've probably discussed this idea, particularly the last three. The last three, we discussed the idea of attaining a state of alignment within your sexuality. But, 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 coming back to the main tangent here before we lose that, because you, you can feel I was like, I want to get onto that for a second. Let's bring it back here for a second, though. <laughs> yes, guys that come to girls and the girls that are playing third party, it's not just because they weren't having good physical penetration. They certainly weren't having good sex, but the good sex is not just good physical penetration. They came because they desired an emotional outlet, an alleviation of the pain that they felt within their hearts, within the emotions of who they are maybe to find a reconnection back to that which they had lost within their current relationship. And then you find, again, this idea, this concept, this balance of disconnect to reconnect. You know, this is the, if you were to sum this down to a biological understanding, whenever you lose something, you will attempt to refill that. If you lose a sense of trust, you lose a sense of connection to something, you will attempt to reconnect that in one way, form or the other, whether it is in the best or worst ways. And I would hope that as you are endeavoring throughout your relationships, not only to understand others, but to understand yourself, that you would recognize when your points of pain arise, when your points of fear, when your points of limiting beliefs, 
when your points of the perception of which that you do not believe yourself to be worthy enough, worthy of love, worthy of peace and joy within your life, and so that you avoid that very discussion to go find it within another. So you indirectly circumnavigate your way around this impending doom. Envision a beachside resort that you find yourself upon and a tsunami is approaching. A tsunami and you turn tail. You turn tail and you head for the nearest building, which is at most 10 stories high, but you know that the tsunami could only could not be any less than 30 stories high. No one's getting out of this alive. Such you find yourself in in the state of your relationships, yet as a stay of execution to avoid the impending doom, you feel that as best you'll struggle. You'll struggle your best to go and find some form of safety rather than facing the inevitability of not knowing who you are, of not knowing what's happening within your relationships, which is this tsunami, and allowing it to take you over. And there you would find your reconnection. You know, as a wise man once said, some people die by continuing to live. Others live by dying. Some people continue to, and some people die by continuing to live. Yet others find life in dying. Written by Eiji Yoshikawa in the fictional retelling of A True Man's Life, Miyamoto Musashi, which is actually just this book in my corner right here. One of my favorite quotes from that book. The reason why I brought up that quote is because in this analogy of facing the impending doom of the tsunami about to wipe you out, which within the analogy translating into real life, is that when you come to understand that there is a broken mechanism within your relationships, whether it's with your relationship with someone else or with yourself, that you don't run away from it. Allow it to consume, to overwhelm. Allow it, feel it. When you feel a fear of abandonment or insecurity of any kind, don't divert away from it. Don't go to the drugs. Don't go to the alcohol. Don't go to sex, to pornography. Don't go to shit social media indulgences of just scroll, scroll, scroll. No, sit with yourself. Sit deeply with yourself when you feel discomfort and allow it to overwhelm you. For as you allow discomfort to overwhelm you, you find that this too shall pass. As you avoid your discomfort, you breathe life into it. It becomes more intense. It becomes more drastic. At least within the analogy, the tsunami never ends. The avoidance of your pain, the avoidance of your discomfort, the avoidance of the patterns you've lived throughout as a human being is a never-ending tsunami. It is a secured pathway to perdition. A lifetime of eternal punishment. Such is the nature of someone who does not stare themselves directly into the eyes, stares themselves in the mirror, and comes to accept who they are. And will reckon, reckon from this day forward, the path, the journey, the mountain, upwards and to within themselves, to understand who they are. Realizing this, understanding this, one such as the follower of this, or the supporter of this channel, could come to realize a pathway for himself to exit that spiral he had talked about. He said to me that he's okay letting go and he's okay uh, moving on, but there's some things he's finding it difficult to process with. 
He said they had a rebound girl. That's the last thing I would recommend. If you're going to be not only utilizing, but perceiving a girl as a rebound girl, the very fact that you're going to perceive someone as a rebound girl only speaks to your inability to deal with your own emotional turmoil. For for why else would you be called a rebound girl? Why else would you be looking at that? Because you are staving the execution. You are staving off the impending tsunami, which is the understanding of who you are. And most of the time, that's going to come in an acknowledgement of when you chose to live through pain, when you chose to live through a concept of abandonment, insecurity, disrespect, betrayal, defense, protection mechanisms, all of these. Pick one, pick all of them, whichever one you feel resonates with you the most. If you are unable to process the emotions, and I also want to counter off here, I want to offer the counter perspective here, which is that, yeah, as a human being, you're all very emotional. We're all very emotional. I'm very emotional. But hopefully it is your task that you have undertaken in this life to master yourself. As you foray as a human being into this life, that as you develop in years and years, that your wisdom would accumulate in emotional mastery. That the same things at 16 that triggered you then don't trigger you at 26. That the same things at 26 don't trigger you at 36 and so on. That you're on this continuous journey, not only up the mountain, but in with the mountain. So as to when you came out of the mountain to realize that you were no one. Upon finally realizing that you were everyone. I am me, I am no one, I am everyone. Such is the realization. A perpetual journey, I'm saying here. An idea which that, okay, understand that yes, I'm emotional and I'm liable to make mistakes, but always be on the path of doing better, evolving, growing. Back to the overall main topic of this, and I still want to talk about this uh, other girl that I know that's currently cheating on her partner. And get more into that. We keep get somehow we keep getting off that, but I want to get back to it at a certain point. But to the back of this topic, preventing a woman from cheating on you. You know, I've had male friends. I've had male friends. I used to be like that myself. Hey, how about myself? When I was 16, I was a jealous little fuck as well. Yeah. Yeah, how about it? How about it? That was a 16-year-old version of myself now. And I love him. I love him. Deep compassion for that jealous little fuck. Because he was just doing what he could with what he had. Right, he was he was afraid, he was afraid of being particularly him that sixteen year old at that time. He was afraid of being alone. When I looked at why I used to when I was a sixteen year old, with my girlfriend at that time, why I was so just like the client that reached out to me, why I was so hell bent on wanting to control her every little behavior, wanting to make sure that if she went out. She wasn't hanging out with other guys, or where she was when when she was with other guys. What the hell were they were doing? And if there was any, even her one of her friends, which actually led to our breakup, which I talked about in a few podcasts ago, when one of her friends that she had been a bit flirty with a couple other guys, I didn't even engage a dialogue of balanced, trust based. Okay, let's hear it out. Let's hear the full story here, not just like a Chinese whispers thing. I just jumped to conclusions immediately and thought that it was the end. You know, and things ended pretty explosively, actually. You got to go back to the domestic violence podcast. It's about six or seven episodes ago to hear the full story. If you go back to six or seven episodes ago, uh, I think it's called the destruction of domestic violence. In the time marks, you can hear Adam's explosive breakup story. At sixteen, that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not going to go back into it now, though. It's a long story. It's a good story, though, but long story. 
So moving back to it, if I think back to why I was so hell-bent on making sure that my girlfriend wasn't going to be in a position, even put into the position of potentially cheating on me, just think about it because I didn't want to be alone. Because an overwhelming sense of loneliness fills my heart even thinking about that 16-year-old. And so I don't hate that 16-year-old. I don't hate him for what he did while he was misguided, misgiven, and made mistakes that led to a poor outcome for both. I acknowledged that. He acknowledged that. But the only way that I got to being where I am now and how I am now is because I continue walking the path. I continue walking the journey. Try to get better. Do my best. Understand that. Realizing that, for those of you that have also maybe in this podcast struck a chord of alignment with me on feeling alone, and maybe you can sense back into somewhere in your timeline and your history that... Yes, maybe I've operated from a place in which that I'm very fearful of being alone. Well, just for a second, can we, for a second, where did that incept? Where did that begin? Because surely my fear of being alone was not an isolated incident with my 16-year-old girlfriend. Surely that didn't begin there, did it? Did it? Or was there a history of fear of being alone? Was there a history in that type of Adam or that younger Adam in which that he was very fearful of doing anything alone. Which that if he ever went anywhere, it had to be with friends, it had to be with family. And then where did that come from? Why was why was why did he always have to have people around him? Was there a time in which that maybe when in very early childbirth that his father didn't want him in his life? That his father had abandoned him and his mom for really the first three months of his life. Oh. That's interesting. That's interesting. Isn't it? As I said before, reiterated patterns. Living in a mask of a shell, living in a mask of our ego. You know, as a, a newborn baby that is awake to the world, that is a sponge to the world, that is absorbing the emotions of everyone and everything around him, absorbing the emotions of his mother that was supposed to die on the table giving birth to him, absorbing the emotions of a father that saw him and his mother in the first month to three months of his life as a burden, and so he didn't want to see them, didn't want to be around them. While the conscious mind has not yet formed its ego, the subconscious mind is awake, awake and absorbing everything that it can. And so you see throughout the rest of my formative years, that a deep desire to always being around people, to wanting to always have someone, whether it be family, whether it be friends. And then you start to see manifesting ideas of why is it that I felt, feel I particularly demonstrated patterns of spite or the ability, not even spite, probably not the right word, grudge holdingness. That's definitely not a word. The ability to hold a grudge. Scorned is probably the best word I should say. Scornful, emotional, it could be described as. Could be described as very emotional child, very emotional, very sensitive child as well. The ability to sense and feel. But particularly if I felt that I was ever betrayed or if that if someone made a mistake, compassion and that quote that the seed of compassion that the Dalai Lama talked about was not existing, were not existent within my capacity as a human being as a early teenager, primary school to early teenager because of a fear of being left alone again. And then, 
But then finally at a point, it's like roughly around 18 or so, roughly around 18 where well, having learned the lessons of my insecurity with my 16-year-old girlfriend around being cheated on there as well, leaving me feeling to be left alone. And then finally walking the path through the Tao Te Ching in my first entry point through one of my mentors at the gym as a personal trainer, starting my first business, Paul Lissio directed me towards the Tao Te Ching, the wisdom of Lao Tzu from 2,500 years ago. You start to understand self-inquiry. You start to read from texts such as Eckhart Tolle and The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho and and then you start to understand Eastern philosophy in general. You start to have an idea of meditation, the first practice, true sit-down practice of meditation where at 18, you just learn to sit quietly every day. And what starts to arise is these illuminations as the sun shines through my window right now of where these fears of being alone, which you could, you could say really is a fear of abandonment, but I never really perceived it that way. I don't, the, the abandoned word doesn't really resonate with me. It may with you, but with me, it's the fear of loneliness, the fear of not having someone. And so at 18, when I recognized and isolated this issue, so then I endeavored to live a life that rectifies this, that I start to challenge myself, start to grow, in which that I start to travel on my own. I start to go and meet people on my own. I start to go and do things on my own, just regular things, just go down to the beach on your own, go to the park on your own, go to the gym on your own. Go sit quietly somewhere in the city on your own. Go to the city on your own. All things I had never done up until roughly 18 years old. Everything I did in my life was with someone because of a deathly fear of being alone. And so as the years go forward, as this year goes on, you start to learn about oneself, start to manage oneself. The insecurity now getting tested with females moving forward in my life, absent. It's, it's, it's dissipated into a memory that only the ego could resurface at some time. But within the waking present day Adam who had reconnected, who had refound the place within himself that had not only healed, a regression, a past regression through many events leading back to an inception of life in which that there was a fear of loneliness, healed that person forgiven, had compassion for the events, the people involved within those of that, that time where I was left alone. To come to a place of full synchronization. And when you can forgive and have compassion for all the events and people in your life, for all the things that transpired, then maybe you could realize a new synchronicity. I say new, but really, that's a shallow description. An eternal synchronicity. Because it is always there for you. For those of you dealing with your insecurities, dealing with your negative self-perceptions, right? your positive self-perception is always there for you. Your security is always there for you. So now we move to this concept coming back to cheating, now that you have a little bit of past history there. Now, when I'm moving forward in my future relationship, uh, what would be future relationships, but relationships moving forward, the idea of insecurity t- so eliminated around the fear of being alone, particularly that specific head, to the point now in which that you can truthfully and honestly say to a woman, this is the foundation of our relationship in which that I trust you and I'm bestowing my trust upon you as I asked you to do with me. Which means that I understand that we're human. 
we will make mistakes. But in the event of either of us making a mistake, we need to know that we can come back to the other and fully express that, knowing that we will not be burned to ashes, knowing that there will be forgiveness first. Forgiveness first for the recognition of our imperfect human condition. And that we would trust, that the other person would trust that we were telling them the truth because that's the foundation of our relationship, even in the event that we made a tremendous mistake. And that is not to say that that mistake would be forgotten. No, we forgive, but we never forget. It's not to say that that mistake could be rectifiable. No, it may well end the relationship. It may well signify and desynchronicity between the alignment of our paths in life. But there must be a foundation in each and every relationship that we trust each other to the point of which that, even if we made a mistake, we would know that the other would meet us with open arms. Open arms for recognition of our human imperfect condition. Open arms for recognition that they are not so removed from making a mistake. Recognition because they hold compassion as the highest quality and highest virtue. That the seed of compassion, watered and moistened with love, exists within them. That is the foundation of relationships that I was able to enact and set upon throughout the rest of my life, having done the work to reconnect back to that eternal state, that place within that is always full, that is always in company. When you find a state within yourself that is so eternal that you are always in company, what does that mean? What that means is that you could never be alone. Your perception of being alone is merely a perception. There is a fullness in this life that is always available to you. It is known as the way. It is known as the Tao. It is known as God. It is known as love. It is known as all these fingers that point towards the moon, which only represents a truth that exists within you. That a state of wholeness and a state of fullness exists within you now. feels and fills you deeply now. Anytime you say that I am lonely, I am afraid, I am X, I am Y, I am Z, that is so and so, only I saying so. But if you were to cease I, if you were to just there, come into that space just there in which I can no longer exist, then maybe you would find your wholeness. Maybe you would reconnect to who you are. A state of harmony is available for all of us. Always. Never forget it. Now forget it, for as far as you will wander into the realm of social dynamics, not only social dynamics, it's funny that that word came out. <laughs> it's not what I meant to say, but it kind of works well. As you foray and wander into the world of social dynamics, let's roll with it, and social media, into the world of worlds, into the humans of humans and these cities of cities, hopefully you would, for a second, remind yourself of who you truly are. And so that any concept you had erected around that could be deleted at a moment's notice and you could rejoin a state of perfect perfection. A state of perfection, which is what we call love. It's always there for you. It's always there for you. So coming back to the main point I was going on with that there, as I do the work within myself, I find myself establishing foundations of true trust and true connection with partners, which is to say in a very raw experience that I trust you to the point. And as a man, very specifically for males listening to this, if you don't want a woman to cheat on you, she needs to know that she could end up naked in a bed with another male 
not do anything or do something and know that she could come back to you and tell you exactly how it went down and know that you would trust her. That's how you know that you have connected all three points I started this podcast with. The number one, you had deleted such insecurity and possession of insecurity around your woman cheating on you, which would only push her closer towards it. Number two, that you knew her. You had delved so deeply into the understanding of her true quality and character as a human being. And you had ascertained that that is someone that I want to be on a journey with. For you would not be on a journey with someone if you had not driven and delved so deeply into that concept of quality and character. If you haven't dived that deeply, then why are you in a relationship? Stop right now. Go back to go. Don't go past go. Don't collect $200. Go back. You're back at step one. And then step three, to know yourself. To know that even in the event that a woman did cheat upon you, you'd be okay. For only the part of you that wouldn't be okay would be that egoic concept, that falsehood, that veil, that illusion the emptiness upon which you build your concept of self, which really holds no tangible effect, no tangible value in this world. It'll come and go at the wind. No foundation whatsoever. Holding those three keys, then taking that into a tactical standpoint within your relationship with a woman to say that, hey, listen, Jenna, Now that we have this foundation of trust, I bestow that trust upon you. You bestow your trust upon me. Let's honor that both. Let's honor that both in a real tactical scenario, which is this. If I, as a man, was to end up in one of my female friend's beds tomorrow night, and I did absolutely nothing with her, I came back to you and told you that's exactly what happened. Would you believe me? Would you trust me? You stare them directly in the eyes. You hold, an, you hold a purity of eye connection that is wiped of egoic expectation. Don't expect her to say yes. Don't expect her to say no. Expect nothing. Hold everything. Communicate purity through your eye contact, as I'm doing with you now throughout this session. And you will find an illumination of whether that person can truly stand behind that. If the response coming back from that is waverance, hindrance, hesitation, then you know that this is not the person for you. This person has not come to a situation within their current spiritual journey in which that they can bestow upon you that level of trust. And so comes the question, when to bestow that trust? When would you bestow such a level of trust upon someone that you would ultimately, allowing that truck to pass by, that you would ultimately have such a confidence within them that they could be naked in bed with another member of the opposite sex, not do anything, come back, tell you, and that they would actually be telling you the truth. When to bestow that trust? There's a concept of conditional trust, which I I don't not like, but I don't like either. Let me start with why I don't why I don't necessarily like it. I don't necessarily like the concept of conditional trust when it is used in a burgeoning experience that would allow it to corrupt the experience itself. AKA, or EG, if you were to walk into a new experience of a new human being and you're actively filtering the experience through, okay, conditional trust here, don't give them all your trust, 
just test them with this one, test them with two, test them with three, test them with four, and you're drawing them these little tests of to see where their trust may be or how trustworthy they could be. What I don't like about that is how that is what I refer to as a mental framework that would get in the way and corrupt the organic spiritual connection between you and her. Okay, that's a lot of ego operating right there. It's a lot of protection operating right there. Liable to a lot of destruction. What I don't not like about it, yes, that's the right way of saying it. What I don't not like about it is that if you were to do that organically, if you weren't orchestrating a military strategic battle in which that, okay, throw them this test, throw them that test. Are they going to, is that person trustworthy now? Is it person trustworthy now? But if you were to just act as a normal human being would, that wouldn't be having to consciously do this and you were just to progress the relationship in a uncommitted style as all relationships would naturally and should naturally begin, that these tests of trust would appear organically. For example, if you asked a girl to meet you here at 5.30 p.m., this street, this city, this part of the beach. That is a test of trust. One, that she would show up, and two, that she would show up at the correct time, that she wouldn't be 30 minutes late, and that even if she was going to be 30 minutes late, that there would be a good reason for it and there would be ample notice for it. Or if there wasn't ample notice, there would be a very good reason for why there was not ample notice. That's a small test of trust right there that can give you a very good idea of who a human being is, just setting a time and place to meet. physical, sexual levels of trust, tests that would organically begin. Just being able to kiss someone, just kissing someone is a test of trust, is a test of comfort and trust. Just taking your clothes off with someone without even penetrating or receiving is a test of trust. How someone behaves once you are done with the act of sexual, in, I was going to say sexual enlightenment, whether you reach that state or not, the act idea of a Deep sexual experience, animalistic, sexually penetrative experience, whether it reached a level of spirituality or not, there's a level of trust being tested there. What I'm trying to say here is that each progression between a human being, socially speaking, social dynamically speaking, is a test of trust. So to add an extra layer of framework going, I'm going to consciously throw this test of trust, I'm going to consciously... Right, and then, and just like bit by bit, step by step, then then they would reach this arbitrary level of okay, this person's trustworthy now. It's like so there there already layers in another issue, which is that when is this going to be enough? When will these tests stop? At which level? Which level? When is complete? When is a level achieved that you've done enough testing of trust that this person is now trustworthy? Where is the big book of trust that tells you that this is the exact percentage level of when trust has been established? Please, right. So I don't like this concept. And I'm not going to mention her name because I don't even know it. But there's a woman that, listen, I'm sure she's got, well, I'm not sure. She seems like a reasonable woman, but there's a woman that was getting around social media recently uh, purveying this idea of conditional trust. And it really rubbed me in the wrong way. But then I started to look into it more. I started to just meditate on it. And I went, well, really, the dance of masculine and feminine energy is a process of conditional trust organically without having to do that consciously so that's what i'm saying i don't actually like the idea of you consciously doing that but i like i don't not like the idea of conditional trust because it's happening anyway so let's move beyond that if we understand all that groundwork 
Yeah, give yourself a pat on the back if you stay with me throughout all that. You understand it? Good. Good. Now, unconditional trust. When do we bestow unconditional trust? I gave you the test actually beforehand, which is number one, within your conversation with her, to set the cognitive understanding of what your relationship foundation will be, which is that if you wish to enter the levels of unconditional trust and bestowing that, I recognize that we're all humans, that we all have made mistakes, that you will inevitably make mistakes and so will I. Not that we will seek to do so, but it is inevitable that it will happen at some point. And so I have compassion for our condition. In our relationship, I want us to be at the place, I would like to know if we are at the place in which that I could be finding myself in a situation as ostensibly wrong as it seems to be naked in bed with another member of the opposite sex, another girlfriend, another girl. And I would be able to come back and tell you exactly what happened and that you would trust my word, whether something did go down or did not go down. And that all I would ask And that all I would not ask, not only just ask, but also give. That I would ask and give, whether it doesn't matter which which shoes on which foot, that there would be forgiveness first. Let me clean that up for you. If I made a mistake, that there would be forgiveness first. Are you at that place? So you lay out the framework, as I mentioned before, as I just mentioned now and mentioned before. That's unconditional trust. How and at what point you delegate or that you officiate that this is the point now in our relationship that yes, it's time for unconditional trust. That's on you. I'm never going. I'm not going to stand here and try to draw a hard and fast line, a generalization that could say that at this time, at this point in the relationship, when you've been on this many dates or you've had this sex this many times, that's when you can bestow unconditional trust. No, it's a time in which that you look into their eyes. And by the way, when you have this conversation and you look into their eyes, and if you sense, as I said before, a hindrance, a waverance, a hesitation, then you know that you overshot it or that it's undercooked and it's not privy. It's not time for it. Because the only time and every time that I've bestowed that level of unconditional trust upon someone, there was no qualms about it. It's, it was already a foregone, foregone conclusion. This was merely the tying of the bow. That I already felt this connection with her. That we were ready for this. Yeah. So to reach that place of unconditional trust, is that the goal? Maybe goal is not the right word. I think it's the natural progression. In which that if you find yourself drawing closer and closer with someone into full connection, that... Not only, like some of you are probably listening to this and going, I probably never even had a conversation that direct with my partner in general. Probably not the listeners of my podcast because hopefully a lot of you are very schooled on having direct conversations. But uh, it sounds like, like, particularly the supporter of this channel who went through, he's, he's young, but he sounds like he's lacking a lot of those direct principles having these types of conversations. So I'd recommend that in his next evolution of a romantic relationship with a female, that he would have this setting of foundation of trust of communication between her, the forgiveness, the compassion. And just to hammer it in, just for those of you that get a little bit lost in these weeds, let's say that after having bestowed this unconditional trust, that 
by somehow, some way, three months, six months, a year later, maybe things broke down for other reasons. Maybe some bridges started to burn in your own life. Maybe a family member died. Maybe you got fired from your job or maybe a worldwide pandemic got unleashed and you just saw no reason for living or whatever happened. And so your relationship started to suffer. And all of a sudden, the emotional care is not being delivered in equal balance between you and her anymore. And so that she feels that she has to go and find that emotional care through another partner. And Allah goes ahead and cheats on you. But then she realized she made a mistake, comes back to you and tells you. That's all you could really ask for. That's all you could ever hope for. What more could you want? For if you were a level-headed, rational, and in time, hopefully you would reach this place of level-headed rationality in which that, if that really did happen, and I really did succumb to the pressures around me and was relegated to a disgraceful display of what masculine energy could be to the point in which that I pushed my partner to wanting to cheat on me and she made the mistake, recognizing that I made mistakes that pushed her there, that's okay and that's necessary, more than okay, but it's necessary. But what's even more necessary is to not go there and then say that, oh, and that's okay that she went and cheated on me. Like, I don't, I don't want to give you that idea. I don't want to give you the idea that I am permitting cheating. No, as I said before, the equation was what? The equation was we forgive, but we never forget. If we recognize that someone made a mistake and that is a desynchronicity in the alignment of our journeys, then the journey can end there with that person. The thread, the lessons that need to be served ends there. That's okay. It's okay. You can hold both ideas. Please elevate yourself to a maturity within your psychological concept that you can hold simultaneous ideas. And we've been talking about this quite a bit in the podcast recently. To hold the simultaneous idea that I can forgive someone yet not forget the lesson upon which that they caused me pain. I can forgive them for the pain that they caused, yet I can also not forget such pain to the point in which that I wouldn't allow for it to happen again. You can hold both concepts. It is maturity to handle duality, to handle a balance, particularly when it comes to paradoxical duality. When it comes to this idea of, when you even just look at the core concept of what masculine and feminine energy is, which is a paradoxical duality, we find that it exists within each of us. We seek it in another. You find masculine energy, and the masculine energy only realizes the best of itself within a feminine counterpart, and vice versa. Light within dark, dark within light. To see yourself in all beings is probably the ultimate duality, or the ultimate paradox of duality. This is something that I discussed, and we'll, this, I always start to say, not even just like like to, it's not a conscious idea, not a conscious move on my part, but that we start to dive into the most deepest concepts, into the deepest concepts as the podcast goes on. You start to see yourself in all beings, and this is where really the idea of cheating starts to really nail itself down. Or really just, it gets, what's the word? It gets dissolved, burned away to its corest idea, which is at the end of the day. And when you say that she cheated on me with someone else, there was no someone else. There never was anyone else. We all came from the same source. We are all but leaves of the same tree. We're both the mother and the child 
experiencing each other. Both a creation, both the product and life itself. Both life and the product of life itself. To have created such a division between you and others. It's an egoic sickness. To not be able to recognize yourself in another. To not be able to see the marvel of creation that exists within a grain of sand, within a leaf of a tree, within the heartbeat of another human being. To not be able to recognize that as a sickness. And health is always waiting for you. A healing of your perception of humanity is always available for you. To the point at which you would realize that Adam is a false creation. Sarah, Mark, Jeffrey. These are all elaborate games that we play to mask up the true inner knowing of who we actually are. The one source that we all came from. I don't give a shit about what label you want to put that on. I don't care about what religion you want to frame that up as. I don't give a shit. What I care about is that you understand and have a connection to the true inner knowing of what that teaching is. And what it all points towards. Even if you want to use the word love and that your religion is love. Just as good as saying your religion is Christianity or your religion, not that Buddhism is a religion, it's not. But if you want to say that I'm very religious about being a Buddhist or very religious about being a Taoist or very very religious about being a Muslim, whatever it is, don't give a shit. I don't care. What I care about is that you have found a knowing within yourself that sees yourself within all of the beings. That when you look at another human being, you stare into their eyes and you feel their heartbeat, that you feel yourself within that. So as to delete your concept of self to come into a knowing of oneness. That we are all here together. Came in together, leave together, exist together. Right? Delete all these words, come into the wind outside. As the sun shines and the wind blows, so you are. And so we all are. And so you start to tie this into the idea of cheating now, going, hang on a second. Well, yes, we do and we do and go to great lengths within our human realms, our egoic realms, our cities of cities, world of cities, to play these games, play these relationship games. It's really there was always just one relationship to begin with, and always will be. But so long as I fragment that into an understanding of or a a game, I should say, more of we fragment it into a game of, okay, the relationship has been divided into quintillionth percentage fraction points in which that every single human being represents a different relationship. It's an exhausting game. It's a game that you'll never win either. It's a game that will always be fraught with the corruption of your fears, your egoic concept, because really where's your fears come from? Your egoic concept, your limiting beliefs, your negative self-perceptions, right? If you never get to this place of one relationship, the one relationship, then you will always be on a perpetual hamster wheel just running around, running around. Not only just running around on a, on a hamster wheel, but the, the bars on that hamster wheel are the constant fears. They're the, you're just climbing the fears, but they just keep coming back around and they never seem to resolve themselves. Why? Because you never seem to come to resolve your idea of who you are. You never seem to come to back to who you are, where you first came from, who you actually are. Reconnecting, redeveloping a sense of sourceness to the source. And I get it. It's, it's scary. It's tough. It's hard. It's difficult. But as the Zen master Sung San once said, make it difficult and make difficult, it is difficult. Make easy and it is easy. 
these labels that you place upon things. You place these labels upon Zen, upon meditation, upon mindfulness, upon a state of equanimity within yourself. These are all your imposition. These are all your perception. So the ability to quiet all of that is also your perception, your control, your power. It's probably one of the most beautiful things when it comes to the concept of free will, which is that the argument that we don't have free will all seems very rational. It all seems great until you say, but I have the ability to stop thinking. So I'm not sold on us not having free will. I don't think the universe is entirely deterministic. I don't think the... But I'm also not so confirmed into my own ideas on that. Let me say this as I've always said, just to update you guys. If we get to, if I get to the end of my life and when the lights go out and I get taken into a room and there's someone there sitting there who goes, okay, Adam, this is exactly how the universe works. And they tell me that there's all a simulation and we're just going to plug you into the next simulation. Or it was all determined from the beginning. You never had free will from the, from the get-go. I'm like, okay, that's very confusing, but okay, I'll, I'll accept it. If, you, if, there, if there is some ultimate being that could determine that for me, <laughs> that could uh, assure that for me, then okay. As I've been saying so frequently lately, as so seems to be so relevant in today's day, think lightly of yourself, but deeply of the world, as Miyamoto Masashi once said. And that's where I'd like to bring today's session towards a summary. I know that I was going to mention that, that girl a little bit more before. Maybe, she, maybe we'll segue her with the summary. Which is that for a girl that's currently one of my girlfriends, girl slash friends, who's currently cheating on her husband because he's just a shell of a man. He's a puddle of jelly. He has no backbone. He has no strength. In fact, anything. He's just, and he, these are the things that he wants. He never once was. That's what makes it even so more disappointing. I guess for a feminine being, is not who I signed up to, is the common phrase that I hear. And so she doesn't find the courage or the confidence to be able to directly address that tsunami, the impending tsunami. But as you can see, it is an impending tsunami. She's enabling a pathway to pain. He's enabled a pathway to pain. That's all pain. She's just finding a way to avoid it. Avoidance pattern. Go cheat, go have a sexual relationship with someone else, not for primarily the sexual penetration that's involved, but that's not exactly what it's because there's no emotional care. And when I think about her and I think about that situation, I go, you look at the three things here that I started this podcast off with and that really has built the backbone of today's session when it comes to making sure that someone wouldn't cheat on you. Number one, deleting the insecurity. Right, This guy is very insecure that she's with. Number two, knowing her, allowing her to be free. He definitely doesn't provide that for her. He certainly doesn't know her to the degree that he either should or thinks he does. Number three, knowing yourself. He certainly does not know himself. So intense corruption of spirit as far as I can see, particularly around the COVID situation, the pandemic, which I'm sure happened to a lot of people. And so we find a pathway to which, because of all those things, all those three things were broken within their relationship, she finds that the easiest way to deal with it for now, short-term pain, sorry, Short-term gratification, delaying the pain of now. It's just an investment in counter pain though, isn't it? If you don't address pain now, it's just going to keep compounding on itself and you are going to have a due, you're going to have a debt due much greater if you allow that pain to build. But 
So she allows. It's not my place to judge. Maybe she'll listen to this podcast one day. Maybe she will. We talk to each other regularly anyway, but she knows my stance. And my stance largely is that it's okay. It's okay if you wish to continue engaging in darkness because you will have to rectify that one day. It's not on me to judge you for that because your pain will be your lesson. The pain you will have to deal with will teach you far more than I ever could. So my friends, we've been to a lot of deep places, a lot of dark places, a lot of light places in today's session. Hopefully you can walk away from this if you came to this thinking about, particularly from the title, if you're thinking about you just don't want people to cheat on you, you have a history of people cheating on you. If you have a history of people cheating on you, I'd have a look into the history of who you are. I'd have a look into the history of what it is that you fear, that you're insecure about. I'd have a look into what it is that you perceive, label yourself with, that allows you to behave in such a way that would enable someone to cheat on you if you have patterns of that. Human beings, we've got history. Look into it. And with that, and with that, I will close out again with the Dalai Lama's quote. The seed of compassion will grow if you plant it in fertile soil. A consciousness moistened with love. When you have watered your mind of love, you can begin to meditate upon compassion. Compassion here is simply the wish that all sentient beings be free of suffering. You can take that, you can take that and you can, you can apply that to yourself as well. I hope that you are all watering yourself with compassion and love and that you are also a sentient being who do, it is only right that you one day be set free of your suffering as well. And I hope that today's session has brought you a little closer to that. Not that I could ever be the sole reason for that, but maybe that I could offer an inception point for you to relieve your own suffering. Taking control, taking power, taking a full account and understanding of who you are so that you could walk this life helping everyone else. Sending you all my love, peace and joy. Yeah. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.